We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. We've been on a series, right? Today will be part three. Our third Sunday in the series titled Imitate. It's a very crucial series. I've said over and over that the Lord is hammering growth with us. When we listen to the message of the gospel, the message of all that God has done for us in Christ, it boils down to the fact that everyone who believes is a new creation. Right? Everybody who believes is a new creation. And not just are you a new creation, it says that all things passed away, right? All things become new. Romans 6 and 6 says that um, our, our old man was crucified with Christ. Why? That the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So when Christ died, you died with him. Make sense? Let me put it this way. Jesus died. Christ came to life. The dude that resurrected is not exactly the dude that died. Do you understand? To cover his nakedness, he wrapped him in linen, and there's all prophetic symbologies of that. Today is not the day for that conversation. And when he rose, what he was covered in was nicely folded and stacked in the tomb. The guy that resurrected was dressed in stuff that was not a function of what he was buried in. Has anybody thought about it? The linen stuff that they covered him with was folded nicely. Mary saw it folded. But there's nothing to suggest that Christ was naked and he hadn't yet gone to the father he told her he said don't touch me and and that was the glimpse of what they saw on the mount of transfiguration in Matthew 17 they saw the glorified Christ in the incarnate son Jesus do you understand what I'm saying Jesus always addressed himself as son of man always restricted himself to human things. It is occasionally that he will jump the course of nature. And, and, and in all those instances, he was to, to bring faith in people. Like John chapter 5, where he fed 5,000 men besides women and children. And then they now started chasing him in John 6 for more food. Yeah, and then he was told them to go ahead of him to, to the other side. And then the tempest arose, right? And, and looked, I think it's Luke's account that says that when he quelled, this, when he said, peace be still, he said, and immediately, it's Luke's account, immediately they were on the other side. And according to, to Bible geography, the side where they were in Capernaum crossing over the Lake Nazareth is about 13 miles that crossing. 
And, and they were about halfway in the midst of it when the storm came. And as soon as Jesus came, he said, immediately. So in other words, when he calmed the storm, they, they didn't have to row to get to the other side. Do you understand? As he navigated the storm and everything, by, by some supernatural means, they were on the other side. Otherwise, Jesus going from Jerusalem to Bethany will check. You following me? He was going to a particular place in John 4. And the Bible says that of a necessity, he had to pass through Samaria. Bartimaeus heard that this guy was going past to Jericho. Began to scream. They went from there to Bethany. Bethany is about eight miles or so. The Bible says from Jerusalem. Jesus was always stepping. But then he rose. And they are gathered in a room for fear of the Jews. And Jesus shows up among them. Because this dude now was the glorified Christ. In and out of doors. Was with them on Luke 24. He happened upon, he just appeared on those two disciples. On the way to a mouse. Went to them, entered their house, ate with them. Once he opened their eyes to perceive it was him. Disappeared from their midst. He rose glorified. Are you following me? Because he died with your sin. That body stays dead. That's how he conquered sin and death. That's how you can be certain that your sins are done with. Because they were not resurrected with him. Are you with me so far? So when scripture says in Romans 6, 6, echoing in Galatians 2, 20, that says, I, Galatians 2, 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Your old man was crucified with Christ. So 2 Corinthians 5 says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Your old man died with Christ. Are you following me? So you're not a new, you're not an improved version. You are a totally new version that never existed before. The you that is a sinner, the you that struggles with stuff, the you that is always angry, the you that was messed up, the you that messes people up, died with Christ. Regardless of what's happening right now. In fact, what's happening right now is a result of your inability to come to the resolution that your old man died. Because the you now is not, listen to me carefully, the you that exists now is not capable of some of the things you are doing. Did you hear what I said? So you're born again and you did something stupid yesterday. Yeah? You're not able to do it. But, but pastor, I did it. Yes, I know you did it. But you don't have the ability to do it. The problem is that you do not realize that this new you cannot do what you're doing. Are you listening to me? Who I am in Christ cannot afford to keep malice with somebody. I don't know how to do it. I, I, it's not by power, by might. I don't know. I do not have what it takes as a son of God to look at a brother in the faith and throw my eyes away. I don't know what it takes to take somebody for granted 
or to take advantage of someone. If you did it, it's because you don't know that you cannot do it. Are you here? And that's why the greatest service any preacher of the word can do to you is to teach you who you are in Christ. Not to help you to become. But to teach you who you are in Christ. If you have believed. Because if you have believed, you are. Whatever you will become starts from your realization that you are. Does that make sense? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You understand that now Christ can be fully formed in you. You understand that your sins are forgiven. Then you can now grow into the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. You understand that as he is, so are we in this world. Then you can grasp the concept of beholding us in a glass with unveiled face. I've been changed from here to there. So whatever you will be in Christ starts from your realization that you are in Christ. And once you understand that you are in Christ, then you know that there are some things in this life you cannot do. Christ cannot do. So if any man be in Christ, he's incapable of certain things. And when you find yourself doing them, then you will inform that old man that, hey, 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 I come against you. That's part of the good fight of faith. You tell that man, this is not me. Nah, this is not, hey, this is not me. You don't need us to tell you no, you don't. You don't need a pastor to tell you you were wrong. If you wait, can I talk today? If you, every time you're a believer and you wait until your pastor tells you you missed it before you know you missed it, you already have a fundamental problem. Your problem is even further compounded when after you have been told by those ahead of you that you got it wrong, you insist you didn't get it wrong. Because first of all, you should be repenting that you needed somebody to straighten you out. And it's a good thing that you have somebody that straightens you out. But it should be your aspiration to not need straightening and to realize by the Spirit of God when you need straightening. Are you here? Because by design of your new nature, there's some things you just cannot do. You cannot disobey instruction. When Jesus humbled himself to death, and he says, let this mind be in you. So your old man died with him. He rose from the dead. A totally transformed person. He rose glorified. It's important to understand that. He rose glorified. Somebody say he rose glorified. Because he died with my sins. He stays dead. He stays dead. And because he rose glorified, I rose with him. Glorified. That means that Christ is my new reality. Say Christ is my new reality. Yeah, yeah. He's your new reality. If he is your new reality, then you're going to have a necessity learn how to conduct yourself according to your new reality. In other words, you cannot be born again 
and not have a fundamental change of reality. So Paul starts to tell them, let the mind, this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Now that you have put off the old man, yeah, and his desires, put on the new man, be clothed in his righteousness, put away filthiness. Paul never told them to bind the spirit of fornication, not once. Paul never ever said, you need deliverance from the spirit of lying. Go and read the New Testament. You will not find a single instance where the church or Paul prayed for somebody to stop lying. When we say things, we say it on the authority of God's word. It can shock you. <laughs> and it's fine. But go and study. Come and show me one instance where somebody was lying. Paul said, bring them. When you are gathered, lay hands on them. Cast out every foul spirit of lying. A man was sleeping with his father's concubine. In the Corinthian church, Paul did not tell them to pray about it. People are keeping malice. He didn't tell them to pray. People were getting drunk on holy communion wine. Not at home, sir. Inside church. <laughs> In church. Communion time. People are high. <laughs> Plastered on the blood of God. <laughs> As they call it. And they are drinking. While you are here waiting for the priest to put the one way for your mouth. They have already sat down. <laughs> Shaki the wine. And Paul did not say, pray and purge yourselves of drunkenness. This foul spirit. I can go on and on and on and on. Confusion. He didn't call it a spirit. People will get up. Everybody wants to prophesy at the same time. Everybody wants to give prophecy and give interpretation of tongues at the same Just imagine it. The Corinthian church, there's no like unto them. At the same time, everybody is doing spirit. Paul writes and sums everything down to one verse. In verse 40 of 1 Corinthians 14. He says, hey, calm it down. Let everything be done decently and in order. Full stop. He didn't call seven days prayer meeting. Are you here? And the list goes on and on and on. And all Paul tells him to do is put away. Let these things not be named among you. For after such things do the Gentiles seek. Such were you. That's the language all the time. And religious people come and say, well, he said, such people that do that will not inherit the kingdom of God. The right next verse is, such were you. Such were you. So your ability to become who you ought to become in Christ 
starts or is hinged on your ability to realize who you are in Christ. It's from who you are that we can have conversations. It's from who you are that you will begin to know by the conviction of the Spirit of God things that somebody else might do and get away with that you cannot do and get away with. And for the first few moments, it will upset you because you're looking at the other person. And Why are you not convicting this other person? And then somebody does something and did not sin. You, you did something and you sinned. Because to him that knoweth what to do and does not do it, to him, to him, it's not what you did that is sin. It's the fact that you knew what to do and did not do or what you shouldn't have done that you did. It, to you, it then becomes sin. Because if he says to you, do not, and you do it, then you sinned. The same thing that he tells somebody else, do, and they do not do, to them is sin. Go out, you didn't go out. Somebody else was going to go out. He said, city, he didn't city. Going out became sin. Sitting in became sin. To the individuals. Once you come to the realization of who you are in Christ, your journey to becoming him begins. So you cannot say you know Christ and you have refused to or are not on the journey of becoming him. Imitate, right? Yeah. So you understand the necessity of this series. Still, I'm still in introduction. So you understand the necessity of imitate because he predestined you not to be saved. He predestined you to be conformed. Romans 8.29 It is as a result of his desire for your conformity that he saved you. For those he foreknew, look it from the, from the beginning, he also, so you have only one destiny. So in this house, we don't sing, come and change my destiny. He didn't even ever change destiny. He wrote your destiny. You had no destiny because you were dead in trespasses. You had to have had a destiny for him to even change. It's not something you had that is now changed. No, you had none. He wrote, when Jesus came, what did Jesus say? I come in the volume of the books as is written concerning me. He took the scroll. He read to them that scripture that said the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he says today that scripture has been fulfilled. In your very hearing. In your eyes. He wrote the script. He wrote the story. My story is written. But see we still think on sensual terms. And we're convinced in church that if you said something and it touched you. It's from God. You know, only God can touch. Why no man can touch? You know, we think that God is this mushy thing. So when you're saying, yeah, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. You want to feel something. You know, to feel something. So you want to cry in worship. So if you come to this church, you say, yeah, I'm looking for the day they will worship. Be looking. Be looking. Which day, they will, which day they will sing and the spirit of God will be thick in the room. You can touch the Shekinah. You can touch it. 
And all of that is absolute bullcrap. Because worship is you understanding who you are in God through Christ. That's worship. Coming to him on the basis of who he is and who, who he is makes you to be. So what pleases God is that you relate to him as through Christ. That's worship. That's acceptable worship. That you come on the strength of Christ. Therefore, Hebrews says, by him, therefore. Chapter 4, 12, thereabout. Let us therefore now come how? Boldly, by Jesus. By Jesus. Not by preparation. Not by emotions. By Jesus. Even our singing, Hebrews 13 and 15. Okay, let's stay here. Let us therefore come boldly, 16, to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in our need. Go to 13 and 15. Hebrews 13 and 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to our God that is the fruit of our lips, blessing his name, eulogizing his name. How do we sing praise to his name? By him, not by emotions. Not by, oh, the music is danceable. Not by sens sensualities and sentiments. By him. That's why Jesus told the Samaritan woman, the time is coming and now is when those that worship the Father will, will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not in that. Because if that's what it was, and then Jesus made a mistake by not showing us at least one such example. Father, I thank you because you hear me always. In fact, I don't even need to say this, but just for these people, John 11. Took the bread, gave thanks. John 5, broke it, shared it. Very chilled. This is my meat to do the will of him that sent me. No drama. There was no air of drama around Jesus. No air of drama. Just this thing. So we then come and carry our African culture and superimpose it on the faith. It has nothing to do with that. So your old man died. You are now a new creation. It changes your reality. You start to become out of your realization of who you now know you are in Christ. Now when you start to become, how do you become? By observing he whom you are supposed to be becoming. In other words, you cannot be formed into the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ if you're not observing that stature. And that stature is not statue. There's a difference between statue and stature. S-T-A-T-U-E, statue. A fixed thing carved out of a material. Often deified or deified such that you look at it and you can worship. When you finish worshiping, you now help it to... <laughs> Do you understand? You bring it out, set it in place. <laughs> worship it. When, when you finish worshiping your God, you now help your God to go and pack. <laughs> where, where we'll keep the God until 
next time. If your God is, if your God is dusty, you, you know, clean, clean your God. If your God falls, you have to help your God to stand, put it properly. Then after like 20 years, your God will begin old. You have to update. You know, say your old God. <laughs> Make a new God. That's a statue. That's a statue. Stature, on the other hand, is the posture, the makeup of a person. So when the book of Luke says that, and the child, Jesus, grew in wisdom and stature, it means he grew in divine development in the earth. Not that he grew in looking good. Do you understand? I've told you over and over, nobody followed Jesus because he was a fine boy. There was no such record. No such record. The record we have for people following Jesus is contained in John 6, 67. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's why they followed. Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away? Go on. Simon Peter answered him, 68, and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's why they stayed. People that came for bread left. The very next day, they came and they ate bread. The next day they came for bread, no bread, they left. But the ones that saw him in stature stayed. Does that make sense? So when we're growing into the wisdom of the measure of the stature of Christ, it means we are looking at how he conducts himself and we follow likewise. That's how you grow in stature. By observing his stature. Are you here? To grow in stature, you must observe stature. To become the stature, you must know and observe the stature. So, are you becoming what you are becoming if you are supposed to be observing the statue of Christ you should not be able to successfully become anything other than what you are observing shouldn't nothing else you are observing and you are becoming I taught you in this house you are what you see you become what you behold. What you see. Now in this season, it's more pertinent than ever that you adjust your optics and start to see so that you can start to be. You can start to be. Now if we're becoming like him, then what does he look like? What does he sound like? Because you have to be beholding to become. It is the, see, you, see, you see why I said over and over, you cannot be saved by the gospel to be preserved by another message. You can't now. What should preserve you? What should grow you? See, I said a few times, a few a short while ago on Facebook, and people thought, oh, this one, this one is too much. If you're a pastor and you like business, you like business, open a business school. Don't 
turn the church to a business school. You are not called to teach business. Nobody was called to teach business. Let's talk about it. From the scriptures. Nobody were told what to preach. We were told what ministry we were given. It's clear. Never were we called to preach business or marriage, relationship, personal development. You come to church on a Sunday and we're teaching you how to make it in life. And you wonder why the, the, the society is so messed up. By people who know 27 principles for every single thing that hasn't worked for them, the society or the nation. If it's so simple, how come we teach 300 of you 12 principles and only one person has testimony? Everywhere the same principle. And eh? go and check that one person it has nothing to do with what you preached. Time and chance happen to them all. Be consistent enough in what you have conviction over. It will yield for you. Just be consistent. We're not called to preach anything. No, we're given the ministry of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Christ, whom we preach, and ourselves, his servants for your sake. This is what scripture is clear. So you come and then we only hear about Christ at your altar call and believers class. Foundation class. And even at that is the very, very surface that you're told. The bulk of it is how to be a member of our church. And then how are you supposed to grow in the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ if we don't put him on display? And you end up becoming, that's why it's important who you are following. It's important who you are following. You can jerry call your hair like somebody. You will not end up like Christ. If the jerry coiler himself is not like Christ. You can suit up all you want. Or boot up all you want. You just end up a human conformist with no eternal relevance. So it's not about getting you to dress like somebody. Can't you see how we all look nice? Everybody in their individuality. What fun is it if all of you come in suit? That would be very boring. I mean, I will fall into depression. Tell me. I'm telling you. Come and see all of you suit, trouser suit, scared suit, trouser suit, scared suit, heart, fascinator. For what? For what? As soon as I see you, I'll be like, yes. The Fortune 500 <laughs> index for business. I'm telling you, there's no fun in that. But look at the rainbow of, of life and color that comes in the room. Today you wear short, I wear suit. Today I wear suit, you wear short. Today you wear short, I wear trousers. Each man to his own. Each man to his own. The cloth itself is a problem. Honestly, if the church took its place as new creation, we should not be wearing clothes. I, it's not funny. I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing. It's not, I'm not laughing. They were naked and not ashamed. The glory of God was their covering. If we have received back the glory, why are we covering our body in physical clothing? That tells you that there's a lot of work that the church needs to do to bring back the kingdom of God, the Eden of God in the earth. I think differently. I'm not, I'm not following the norm. 
Every time I dress up, I bleed in my heart. Because it shows the state of the church. How far away from kingdom mandate we are. We still have to cover our human nakedness. The glory is not enough. It's not enough. You now come and make a whole doctrine out of dressing. She'd be ashamed that we're still dressing. What are we observing? I, I, if, I might be the only one thinking how I'm thinking, reading what I'm Because you know sometimes you wonder, is it the same Bible we're reading? Yes, sir. The only time God was the, God should have been the only tailor. Only. Genesis 3. Uh, he killed animals and sold the hide of their animals to cover them because of sin. The only time somebody sold the cloth was because man sinned. And now sin has been dealt with. He has taken away the sins of the world. We are still sowing cloth. I'm making a big deal of it. That's not conformity. We can get you all to dress a particular way. Changes nothing. Do your hair a particular way. Changes nothing. Speak a particular way. Changes nothing. Until you see him who sees you. And start to become him. You will dress up and cover your nose and your toes and your fingers about to go out and you will hear him say, what is wrong with you? Now you would think he should be happy that you have covered your brain even. There's no way anybody can be tempted. Nothing about my shape is showing. I wear gathered everything, gathered pleats all the way to the ground. I wear socks. I wear socks on my hand. Lord, I am covered. And the Holy Spirit asks you, can you see how much of a masquerade you look like? It's not Satan, the Holy Spirit. If you are following him, he will say, go ahead and remove that nonsense. Wear a dress. Wear, wear a pair of jeans. And you will go out and, come, and you will not realize that that was the day that they asked to pick somebody who is dressed in a particular way because that's the speck of who they are looking for. And he redressed you. Will you be feeling important? Feel like you have helped God to dress up. And someday you feel like wearing a suit and you tell him, don't wear a suit. And another day you feel like dressing in short and you tell him, wear a suit. Because that day there's somebody that you're going to have to talk to that is not interested in seeing anything from anybody except if you're formally dressed. So he begins at that point to now start to use your dressing for ministry. Not you telling him how to dress. He tell you, you look too serious. Because there's somebody that wants you to approach the way Pastor Dale is, at, is dressed now. I say, I've come to the... Yeah. <laughs> I know you people. <laughs> and there are people you will never talk to in that suit. Ever. So that's not what we talk about. That's not what we mean when we talk about imitation. We're talking about seeing the statue of Christ and following and the statue of Christ is contained in his word. And it is contained in his word as is exemplified in the gifts of men that he has given. In other words, there are men who are living the Christ kind of life for you to imitate. So you begin to be conscious about your life. How did Jesus live his life? 
you are calling down fire. When the person who is the fire rebuked his disciples for trying to call fire. Luke chapter 9. Check it 49, 50, 51 around there. Luke chapter 9. They were traveling to a place. I think it was still the Samaritans. Luke chapter 9. A village that did not accept them. 51. (laughs) Now it came to pass. When the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, but sent messengers before his face or ahead of him. And as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But the Samaritans did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. See the next verse. And when the disciples, James and John, sons of thunder, and Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder, the boys were the most ambitious of all the disciples, them and their mother. Their mother brought them to Jesus. You see, Jesus said, you know James, say you know John. Your left hand, I put James here, your right hand. But she didn't care about Bartholomew, she didn't care about Peter, she didn't care about, she didn't care about Simon, Peter, Andrew. She, she didn't care. She just, he, she, and her two sons went to hustle. <laughs> the boys too were hot heads. Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder. And here both of them saying to Jesus, Lord, do you not want us, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Referring to Mount Carmel. Now, first of all, James and John knew they had the authority by virtue of being with Jesus to call down fire. Or else they would have said, Lord, do you not want to call down fire? They didn't say that. They said, ah, oh, just say the word, sir. Say the word. We, just watch us, your boys. Watch, <laughs> watch your boys fire down these people. Now, for refusing you. And two, they had a reference point. Elijah. So, it was biblical. Yes, sir. Oh, why, why doing this is in the Bible. So was this. But not everything that was done by men of God revealed the character of God. Yes, sir. Did you hear what I said? Yes, not because if Jesus had permitted them, say, oh, yeah, come now. Or even if they were alone, for instance, and they, they didn't have the opportunity to be instructed by Jesus, they would have called down fire, and guess what? Fire would have come. Yes, sir. Yes. Fire would have come. But that somebody in scripture did it doesn't make it the character of God. That it worked for somebody doesn't mean it's what we should imitate. Are you here? Put the verse back up. Now you see Jesus' response. 55. But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. In other words, we don't do things like that around here. Instantly, Jesus, look at me carefully, corrected Elijah's presupposition or Elijah's position about the character of God. Do you understand what I'm just saying? Instantly, the word corrected the perception of the words. Because the words 
showed us what a man did in the name of God. The word who is God comes and imposes the logos, the word upon the graphy, what was written. So Jesus subsumed the record of Elijah. The record of Elijah retired in the reality of Jesus' example. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we, in this church, we don't sing these are the days of Elijah. No. Those were the days of Elijah. Because now we know what manner of spirit we are of. This is worth your time. We know what manner of spirit we're of. God of Elijah, send down fire. God of Elijah, fire, 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 fire. fire. We have not so learned Christ. And it's in black and white too. You can see it. He rebuked them. Don't you know what manner of spirit you're of? We don't, I, I didn't come here to be killing people. I can't kill them without coming here. I kill and make a life. It's true. No, it's actually true. Oh, the soul that sins and that is true. But God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He knows how to condemn and chose not to. But that the world through him, John 3, 17, I believe, might be saved. That's the nature, the character of God. That's what we start to imitate. So you start to imitate God in Christ and imitate, okay, thank you, sir. John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him. So the job description of Jesus is very clear. That is to 11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Go on. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lords, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Titus 3, verse 3 and 4, I believe. Next chapter 3 and 3, and, Titus 3, 3 and 4. But verse 4, for when the kindness of love and love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Go on. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Keep going. When he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That having been justified by grace we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What Jesus came to do was very clear. So unforgiveness is not the stature of Christ. But why should I forgive? Because it is the stature. It's why you are even standing here to have a conversation about unforgiveness. That's why you should forgive. Because if not for the grace of God by which your sins are forgiven, you'll not be alive to even be having a conversation which you are contemplating whether or not to forgive. Now rope will for you pull you out. As per old covenant. You will not be, you know, you, 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 it's a non-starter. It's because of the forgiveness of God. 
in whom we have redemption through his blood. I see Colossians 1, the for 6 or 7, the forgiveness of sins. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So we have the forgiveness of sins and therefore we give the forgiveness of sins. Are you following me? So we imitate to become the stature of God in Christ from what we see of Christ and the apostles, 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And then we imitate God in Christ as exemplified in men. So we are following and imitating men to the measure that we can see that they are following and imitating Christ. Are we together? So let's move on to first. Thessalonians chapter 1. From verse 6 to 9, Paul is telling the Thessalonian church, and you became followers of us. So you see that what I'm telling you is scripture, right? Rightly divided. You became followers of us and of the Lord. And you think that they are two distinct things. Until by virtue of your understanding of biblical interpretation, you remember that I taught you in this house that the word and is the word kai. Now let's read it again. And you became followers of us. That is to say of the Lord. Same difference. <laughs> Ponder on that phrase for a few seconds. Same difference. You became followers of us. That is to say, implying that you're following the Lord. So they're not two separate things. You're following the Lord because Paul says in Ephesians 1, when we started, you imitate the Lord. Yeah, follow the Lord. And then he starts in 1 Corinthians 4 to say, follow us as we follow the Lord. Are we together here? And then now he says, you have been following us as the Lord. Having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Look at the, at the translation. We don't have the NASB. Let's see how the TPT puts that. I actually haven't checked it out. You became followers of my example and the Lord's. You became followers of my example and the Lord's example. So when you receive the word, what happened? It activated in you an, an, an ability to follow the giver of the word and the word of the giver. When you receive the word with the joy of the Holy Spirit, even though it resulted in tremendous trials and persecution, which some of you here can already attest to, your life was peaceful and quiet. Anybody like that? Everybody was your friend. Until you heard the gospel. <laughs> so if you have gone through your entire life. And nothing has shifted. Uncle. Because truth of a necessity. Changes your location. Changes your posture. Changes your environment. It rewrites the script of your life. Everything was fine with you. Until you heard the gospel. And you heard the gospel and boom, it's like all the floodgates of hell were opened. Resulting in tremendous trials and persecution. 
I've said over and over, one of the things that encourages me, MOG, in my ministry, is that nobody has ever been persecuted for mixing law and grace. Nobody. Oh, look at this person. Look at him. He's a heretic. He's mixing law and grace. How kill him? How dare him? Burn him at the stake. Shut his church down. How dare he preach? You can walk your salvation with fear and trembling. How dare he preach that Christ did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it? How dare he preach? No, nobody's been persecuted for, for being a DJ. Nobody. You know, deck one. No, nobody. And nobody has been persecuted for being the follower of Moses. The book of Acts says that Moses had people been preaching him in different cities, in different towns. Everything is fine until you say it's not of works. And then all hell breaks loose. Uncle, that's the one I'm going to preach. Because why is everything reacting so violently to the fact that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness? Uncle, that is the truth. Why does it discomfit people so much? So if you are a believer and you have not faced the persecutions, you have not believed the gospel. You will lose friends. For daring to explain Philippians 2, 12 and 13. They will, even when they realize it's the truth, they will hate you for being the one that has the temerity, the alacrity, the infantry to be the one to show me something that I didn't know. Who you be? Who you? you and they will cut you off and I've learned that but once we plant the seed of the gospel in you is God that waters and brings increase I've promised them I've said it publicly I said my joy is in a few years time when those that attack the gospel join us to preach it no we don't we're not praying fall down and die no 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 God will water it God everybody will come to the unity of the faith <laughs> God will water it. It's okay. It is now you. See, you can't imagine the impact Paul had. Paul that was killing people for God, not for Satan, Chris. Who was Paul killing people for? God. He knew God did not know Christ. So he was helping God. Kill people that did not believe him because they are following Christ. It was not Satan Saul was working for in his church mind. Do you understand? In his church mind, he was a crusader of God. Cleansing it of all the pagans and the people who have left the law to do nonsense. Until he met the person he was persecuting. Hear Paul's question. Who are you, Lord? 
So it was not a question of identity. He was not asking. No, he knew. He said, who are you, Lord? So he wasn't saying, who are you, Lord? I saying, who are you, Daniel? It was not a question of identity. It was a question of revelation. Okay, Lord, this one you don't corner me. So what do you, are you trying to get me to see? Because with this singular act, I realized that I don't know you. But I know it is you. And that took Paul into, so from the very start of his apprehension, it was a journey into revelation. Little wonder the gospel came through him. Little wonder the gospel came through him. Because he, she said he didn't go up to Jerusalem. Because if Paul had met James first, that thing would have died. James, brother of Jesus. The G.O. in Jerusalem. The principal, we call him in this church, we call him the principality called James. James, make fear, catch Peter. Not James even directly. Disciples that came from James. Fear, catch Peter. Peter left the Gentiles. The very same Gentiles he was the first person to preach to. The very Gentiles, he was the first person to see the Holy Ghost poured upon them, not as a function of what he was saying, because he says, while Peter was speaking, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. The same Peter that took this testimony to Jerusalem, men came from James, fear catcher. Not James came in by himself. <laughs> men from James. Peter stopped eating with Gentiles. So withdrew. And Paul had to come in and rebuke Peter. He said because what Peter had done had even begun to affect Barnabas negatively. In Galatians. So he rebukes Peter. It's not his function of age. Because Paul did not physically work with Jesus. But when God began to answer who are you Lord? To Paul. Paul who never walked physically with Jesus stood and tells the Corinthian church and what I give you I received directly from the Lord how that on the night he was betrayed Paul was not there but he did not say how I read from Matthew how I heard from Luke how I saw from John he said I received was the Lord that told Paul what happened in the upper room at the Lord's Supper not Matthew Mark uh, in fact, according to Bible history, when Paul's there writing, these guys had not written. Because don't forget, Luke was a companion of who? Paul. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So Paul was not quoting the Lost Supper from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No, he said, I received from the Lord that which I also passed on to you, how that the night he was betrayed to bread. Paul knew it, epignosis of it. Not chronicles of it. Are you following me? It's not chronicles, not what was written in the archives. That's not what informed Paul. It's the same scripture that all the Pharisees and Sadducees had been reading. That Paul began to quote and show them Christ. Same scriptures. <laughs> same scriptures. So if he had come up from how, who are you Lord and gone to James to show him the meaning of the dream 
or division. You would have missed Jesus. You would have met the version of Jesus that was limited to James's understanding of him or lack thereof. So Paul says, you received it with tremendous persecution. Take us to the next verse. Verse 7. First Thessalonians 1, 7. Now you have become, that's the Thessalonian church, have become an example for all the believers to follow through the provinces of Greece. Why did he become an example? Because they began to imitate Paul's example and the Lord's example. Last week I showed you how Paul will always send Timothy and said, you know, follow him. By virtue of following Paul's example and the Lord's example, they became an example to other believers. So when I tell you in this house that God is calling us to be a model church, do you understand it now? Because we cannot become a model church if we don't model what we are seeing. If we don't establish what the stature is that we should be conforming to. We cannot become the model. The church has to be the model, not one person. If a teacher has taught primary one from first term, second term, third term, at the end of third term before promotional exam, the teacher is the only one that knows primary one syllables. Both the teacher and the pupils are a failure. Because you might not know primary two. Nobody's asking it of you. You may not know primary three. Nobody's asking it of you. But primary one that we have been in, at the end of it, all of us should know it. Enough to teach primary one when we enter primary two. You don't need to be a professor to teach primary one. You just need to have gone through primary one to teach primary one. Now you can't graduate from primary one and hope to teach primary four. So on account of their following and observing, they become an example to every other believer, not to unbelievers. Verse seven. You have become an example for all believers in Greece to follow. And the Greek empire then was a big one. Other believers were learning how to be believers from believers who were following the example of the Lord and Paul. Was it? The message of the Lord. I'm very envious of the Thessalonian church. I'm telling you. Because compare this to the report of the Corinthian church. (laughs) Oh my days, Corinth, legends. The message of the Lord has sounded out from you, not only in Greece, but its echo has been heard in every place where people are hearing about your strong faith. Paul says to them, we don't need to brag on you. For everyone tells the story of the kind of welcome you showed us when we first came to you. And everyone knows how wonderfully you turned to God from idols to serve the true living God. How did they come into this? Verse 6. You followed our example and the Lord's. Simple. Can I say this? They didn't come into that by believing. Some of you here, it's for me you heard the gospel. I am for the gospel. I have no other message. 
I am as far away from works as they come. You know. I am as far away from legalism and moralism and humanism as they come. I'm not that kind of person. As a person, I was saying it to, I can't remember who recently. Let me, let me shock some of you. As an individual, I am probably the most conservative human being in this room. As a human being. I am very conservative. There's some things I will see you and be like, ah, Jesus is Lord. Oh. How do you do this? I'm, as, a, as, a, as a person. But I'm careful to not impose my personal preferences on your journey of faith. Each one to his own. Do you understand? Each one. As an individual, I'm very conservative. Very. Some of you might find it very difficult to believe. But my personal preference is such that, man, you know, just, it's all right. I'm not a, but my, as, as a servant of God, as a, as a pastor, as a preacher, I don't teach moralism. I don't teach behavioral modification. I said that to explain what I said to you. That you don't enter becoming an example by believing. You see, I take my time to teach. Like Paul, he'll say something, he'll anticipate what you can ask. He'll anticipate what you might think and then he will address it. That's how I teach. So, so because somebody will look at you, huh, really? <laughs> yes. You don't become an example to believers because you believed. Because there's a lot of Christian believers in the gospel of Jesus that have settled in the fact that I believe the rest is God's to do. That is the most, that person is more dangerous than a mixer of law and grace. People who quote, you know what, it's God. I am God's business. I am God's. And you abdicate the responsibility of sonship. The responsibility for your preservation is distinct from your responsibility of sonship. The onus on you to preserve yourself is different from the onus on you to grow into the fullness of he who is preserving you. Are you hearing me? God is working in you. Yes, God saved you, not by any works of your righteousness. You saw it in Titus 3, 4 and 5. You know, no, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see that in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Yeah, righteousness as apart from the law. You see that in Romans 3 and 21. It's, it's clear in scripture. But then you see the same person that brings the gospel to you in Ephesians 4 and 1. Saying, now therefore it's time for you to walk worthy of your calling. Not walk for your calling. So if we say walk worthy of the calling and you hear walk for the calling, it's the devil that's whispering it into your ear to refrain you from growth. Because one of the most dangerous enemies of growth is that of justification. Self-justification. Why should I when God has Believers in Christ Jesus, why should I stress myself when I am at rest? God called me into rest. You don't have wisdom. God called you into rest as your salvation is concerned. 
Uncle, there is sanctification with your name on it. You will start to conform to show the calling you have received. Not to receive it. To show that because of that you can now become an example to believers. Are you understanding what I'm teaching? And you don't become the example because you believed. You are saved because you believed. Nobody is going to take that away from you. Nobody is arguing with you. But kingdom relevance in the earth does not come by believing. It comes by following an example of the statue of Christ. That's how you go from here to there. And from there to further there. That's where Christians have missed it. Some have camped in what God needs to do for them. Others have camped in what God has done for them. And they have refused to go on from there to what they ought to do in God. And so we have a lot of believers and very few disciples. And because there's few disciples, there's even fewer examples. And because there's fewer examples, that's why corruption is so rife in the society. Because there's plenty Christians and no examples. Today now everybody's dressed up. Sunday. Everybody is righteous on a Sunday morning. You can touch it. Literally, you can touch the religious piety. You can cut it with a hot knife on a Sunday morning. Everybody is righteous and holy. Same people on Monday want to sleep with you for exam, for a job, for, want to collect kickback to sign contract, want to collect money for motivation. Same people want to be bribed. Same people bribe. Same people. Monday to Saturday, you can do whatever the heck you like. Let your offering reflect it on Sunday. Let your service reflect it on Sunday. That's why we come to church on Sunday. People are outside forming that they are parking cars. And you stay out gisting with your fellow brethren. It's a small club, or you don't you just don't know because it's not called Rotary Club. You don't know that that's what it is. In the branch of your church, you stand outside. It's not like you will collect the teaching after the meeting. It's not that you are you are just you have serving. That's your service to the Lord. And you walk by, say, "Bro, how service today now?" Well, we thank God. Oh, we thank God. That was great. That was beautiful. Christians, no examples. Nobody's interested in becoming Jesus. Who that one help? Nobody's interested in mirroring their life after Christ at the cost of tremendous trials and persecutions. That what God in Christ will not give you, you are prepared to not have. Degree, okay, you can, sir, you can keep the degree. I'll keep the name Jesus. You can keep the job. We now start to see you have to learn to use wisdom. No, no, no. Wisdom is a person. Yes. 
and he will not compromise. Full stop. Wisdom is not a sense that wavers like a pendulum depending on when it favors you the most. I repeat, wisdom is a person and he will not compromise. Full stop. That's all the wisdom you need. The Holy Spirit will not tell you, guy, you know, wisdom, wisdom. What's the big deal? Just do it and be wise. No. So there's plenty Christians, there's not enough examples because we're not invested in becoming. That's why everybody's in a hurry because church is not designed, religious church is not designed to grow you. It's designed to keep you busy. So for some of you now, you are, you are surprised that nobody's special program you come. We are preaching for three hours. Because you are convinced if you give God one and a half hours on a Sunday, it's more than enough. You have done well for the week. They're okay. Every morning they will text you, your church, morning devotion, your WhatsApp group. You read. Amen. And you're done. What else does church want of you? Your soul growing is why you are supposed to be in church. For the building up of the saints for the work of ministry. That's why these gifts are here. That's why I keep saying we're not sent to everybody. We're not. We're not we're, that's why we don't take attendance. We're not counting numbers. We put few chairs. People come, we open more chairs. You come, we fold. I'm not worried. We don't preach better because the room is full. But there's going to be a bunch of people in this era that will rise up and be an example of believers. It is coming back. It's coming back. And it takes time, like Paul says in Galatians 4, 19, my little children, my labor with birth pangs, labor pains, until Christ is formed in you. That's my life story. It's labor. It's not easy. By design. Is labor. That's how we keep teaching. And teaching. And teaching. It's labor. Labor is not fun. Because at some point, if you don't push, you miscarry. So we push and we labor. Because there has to be a bunch of people that when you want to see what Christ's likeness is like, you can reference them. There has to be. Has to be a bunch of people that your, your house girl will leave your house and 30 years later can speak well of you. 20 years later, your driver can have gone on and can speak well of you. But remember you as the sassy madam that ran everybody to the ground. You're a believer, you're a deaconess, you're an elder in church, you're a pastor. And everybody in these days now, the gospel is appearing to be fashionable. No, we're not preaching it because everybody's handling it well. We are preaching it because it's not our business how they handle it. <laughs> it's them and the person that died for them. <laughs> oh, if you teach them now, they will use it as license to sin. So you're the one that gives license for sinning and righteousness. So because somebody will misuse something, that is a free gift and it's not your gift. 
you will now withhold it from them when you are not the one that paid for it. How much did you contribute to the dying of Jesus? That you feel like God employed you to regulate how to spend the liberty that he purchased for them. And you are, you are the one that has audacity to kill witches and wizards. You have just been killing your cousins. So we don't preach the gospel because everybody handles it well. But because handling it is not my business. I'm not the police of your faith. I have some growing up to do myself. <laughs> I'm not the police of your faith. No. We are facing our front. We're helping each other to grow. That's what we teach. So we push and push and push that Christ is formed in you. 40 years down the road, 20 years down the road, someone that walked with you can say, wow. You can be speaking and then they, somebody, a blast will come from the past. 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And there's a consistent referencing of your testimony. Not wavering. Consistent. Not people running around and saying Jesus. And shouting and making noise. And even confessing him the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the taxi driver that has carried you for a while. And has heard all the conversations in the taxi that you have. Cannot testify of the Christ on display in your life. Because they hear you. That doesn't take away from your believing. Maybe not as long as you believed. But it takes away from your kingdom relevance in the earth. And then at the point where it affects my faith. Ah, it were better that a millstone be hung around his neck. Have I driven that point home? You don't become an example by believing. It takes a lot more. It takes following an example. Are we together? Philippians 3 and 17. Oh, hallelujah. Brethren, Adelphos, now he has written to the Thessalonian church and has he, he notice he wasn't telling Thessalonica to follow. He was commending their following. First Thess 1 6. Look at it again. And you became followers. So he was commending them. He wasn't as it were urging them to become. Yeah, are we together? So now Philippians 3. So Philippians 3.17, Paul says to the Philippian church now, join in following my example and note those who follow my example. As you have us, you have us for a pattern. It's not my words. Tipiti. My beloved friends, imitate my walk with God and follow all those who walk according to the way of life we modeled before you. Follow me, Paul, as I am walking with Christ. Look for people that are walking with Christ the way I'm walking with Christ. Follow them. She's not so difficult. Join the other believers that are observing me and following 
I'm becoming Christ. Not Paul. Because this, don't forget, this is the Paul that is telling the Galatian church. He's laboring for Christ to be formed in them. He's not laboring for Paul to be formed in them. The same guy that tells the Corinthian churches, we preach not ourselves. We preach Christ and ourselves. He suffered for your sake. So Paul's intention is clear. Christ. Are we together? His intention is Christ. Not to profit off the brethren. Because he waived even his apostolic right in order to reach the Corinthian church and teach them the grace of giving. Make sense? So he's saying, follow my walk with Christ. If you follow me, you will end up the Christ I'm following. You will end up the person who has apprehended me. Now, I'm not there with you. I'm in prison. But there's people around you who have followed me and modeled their life after me. Find them. Follow them. Are we there? Verse 18. Philippians 3.18. For there are many who live by different standards. In other words, contextually, right? Not different standards as in saying that there are many who live by all kinds of standards. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I've set before you a pattern. There's people who are following the pattern. Follow them. Because there are people who are not following this standard. So not different generically. But different as in there's people who are following a different pattern to what we are following. And that is true of us today. There are a lot of people that are not following the pattern we're following. And it's okay. Jesus himself had said that other sheep I have which are not of this fold, I will bring them in. I told you over and over, there will be unity of the faith. Just calm down. He's not about to send a believer to hell. He will bring them together. He will. You will see it. Somebody in robes preaching the gospel until he no longer needs it. Somebody in jeans preaching the gospel and he's not being judged for not wearing robes. You will see it. Or else the Lord is not coming back. We know when he will come. But we know doesn't mean that we see 32nd of February. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> leap, 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 leap here. No, no, no. That's not what we mean by we know when. But the ingathering feast, you will know when the ingathering starts to happen. Okay, there's a church now. The day of the Lord is upon us. You will know. You will know. You, 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 you know. You will know. You will know. When that feast starts to happen, gathering, everybody's coming from everywhere. He's putting his sheep together. Everybody's falling in like a locust army, unbroken in ranks. You know, ah, the bride yeah. say, Come, Maranatha. That's where you can start to shout. Come, Lord Jesus. There's a wife for you. Because I told you, he's not coming for sons. I'm not said teaching you that yet. He's not, not coming for sons. The coming kingdom is not for sons. <laughs> it's not for sons. So hurry up and grow up. 
But until then, people have different standards. Praise God for them. But we have found a pattern. Can we, can we stick to it? What about the house? Yes, stick, stick to the pattern. 18. Let's finish this. For there are many who live by different standards. As I've warned you many times, I weep as I write these words. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. And, go on. Enemies of the anointed one. And doom awaits them. So Paul is saying here that there is a pattern we have found and this is the pattern to walk in. This one, this one. Any other one is not because, uh, Holy Spirit, how do I help these people with this? I saw a post recently by a very, very revered man of God who wrote along the lines, on Facebook of course, wrote along the lines of, and it troubled me. I don't know if anybody saw it. He wrote along the lines of, there are people who are sound and mature, he said, who do not believe what we believe about eternal salvation, eternal security. He said, doctrinally sound and mature, who do not believe. And he says, do not judge a person based on his doctrine, but judge him, judge him on how he handles money. And there were hundreds of shares, you know, revered new creation teacher. And I sat down and it troubled me. And I began to wonder how somebody could be said to be doctrinally sound who doubts eternal salvation. That is doctrine. It's from there we measure soundness. Somebody comes and says, I am not prepared to listen to what any man of God has to say until I hear his position on the doctrine of salvation. And then you attack him. Somebody says, I'm not interested in hearing what any man of God has to say until I've checked out his stance on the doctrine of salvation. Then somebody else comes and says, there are people who are doctrinally sound even if they don't agree with us on eternal salvation. So while we are careful to say that we have found the pattern apart from which you cannot travel this path, the truth of the matter is that there is only one pattern by which you can get to where you're going. Even if it be heavy for us to say that we are on it. I'm picking my words with care. Do you understand what I'm saying? The gospel travels a straight road. There's no tributaries. <laughs> Sorry. Tributaries. <laughs> There's no tributaries. Street road. It's either the gospel or it's not. Let's finish. By 19, right? Their God has possessed them and made them mute. Their boast is in their shameful lifestyles and their minds are in the dirt. That's, that's what leads to King James. But our citizenship. New King James. Our citizenship is in heaven. TPT says, because we have found a pattern, not fooling everybody else, we are a colony of heaven on earth. We are heaven touching earth as we 
cling tightly the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to 17. Join others in following my work with God. Join others in following my example. And note those who so work, who work according to that example of mine that I've shown you. As you have us for a pattern. Find somebody who you can see is patterned after Christ and settle down and follow. That's long and short. It's, it's, it's dangerous to believe that you're the kind of believer that is, has risen higher than what Paul had to say. Yeah, just go to another people. are looking for people in mass. No, seriously. You just evacuate yourself to mass. Start your own school of thought and leave the church of Christ alone. Because for us, the gospel is enough. That's what's enough. You can read what scripture says and say, no, I've, I've gone past there. I've gone past there. I don't need to look at anybody. I look unto Jesus. And it's the Paul that said you should look unto Jesus. You're, you're obeying to look unto Jesus. And you're disobeying or disregarding to look at Jesus in a man. You're already confused while trying to be an intellectual. So I leave you and I deal with younger people so they can receive this thing with grace sense. Somebody wrote that. You are saved by grace through faith. You believe. The person said that gifts were given. You don't believe. The same person says you pray in tongues. You don't believe. Because you have not seen interpretation. Are you the one that is bringing about interpretation? And then we pick and choose what one person says and you say you are following him. You are a danger to yourself and to everybody who is trying to follow you. Because he says... Follow me, my example of following Christ. He had an encounter with the Lord. That's why you and I are here. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did not write about the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are Old Testament writings containing the gospel of grace in the same promissory sense that the Old Testament had it. Contained in types and shadows. Like the prophets wrote. People that wrote it. You know, the gospel according to Matthew. They closed the book when the gospel was about to start. This is the cup. Of the New Testament. In my blood. That's what Jesus said. Jesus. Where did the New Testament start? In his blood. His blood where? On the cross. New Testament starts on the other side of the cross. Everything before the cross was Old Testament. You now come and gather believers inside church today. And you call yourself Pentecostal church. Can we pray? Our Father, two times eleven. Let us now say the Lord's Prayer. We know not how to pray as we ought, but His Holy Spirit helps our infirmities. In Matthew 6, there was no Holy Spirit. It's not the model prayer. It was a circumstantial prayer that had its time. It was a circumstantial prayer. Did the prayer survive the cross? What part of it survived the cross? 
<laughs> That's how you study scriptures. In the light of Christ. In the light of the cross. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. First of all, our Father who art in I right now. Already. Hallowed be thy name. Yes, his name is hallowed. God has given him a name above. So where I'm going with that. The kingdom come. Absolutely, is the gospel of the kingdom that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praise God. We believe that right now. Give us this day our daily bread. Your heavenly father knows you have need of these things. Okay, this is the confidence we have that if we break it down to the cross. Break it down. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want to lead me to Everything that he said, filter it by the cross. Listen to me, you are the only one in the history of creation that has the fuller picture of God's mind and intention. The people that wrote it didn't have it. Do you know the power that's at work in you? That you now, sir, can sit down, read Genesis to Revelation in the light of Christ. You're not a normal person. You are you're on steroids. That you alone, as you are now, can combine from Adam to Adam. Only you can just sit down with the Holy Spirit. And only you can take a journey of millennia with one subject matter, Christ. And you see him right there in creation from Genesis 1.1. You see him in the very last sentence of Revelation. You don't know how powerful you are. You don't know how much clarity you have. If you knew... I'm, I'm, I, I can't read my Bible, I'm bored. I, it doesn't make sense. If you knew, if you knew, if you knew what the scriptures was preaching to Abraham as the gospel, Esau and Jacob as types of law and grace, Isaac and Hagar as types of law and grace, and Ishmael, Boaz and Naomi and Ruth, as types of law and grace. Noah, as types of grace. He was called a preacher of righteousness. The Red Sea, as baptism, a type of what was coming. You sit down here, you can know all those things, and you don't grow. Moses in the basket, as a type of the Messiah. Everyone two years old and under killed in Moses. Every time two years and, everyone two years and under killed in Jesus. Joseph saving the world in his day by wisdom. Jesus growing in stature and wisdom and saving the world in his day. And scripture after scripture, Bible story after Bible story. Goliath being a type of sin and death. David being a type of Jesus. Taking down the head of Goliath. All of that is not Bible stories. None of it from Gideon and the lampstands. None of it is a Bible story. All of it is Christ on display. Do you know how powerful you are? And you are young. You have energy now. You have ginger. Enter this thing and grow. This is what gives you an edge in life. It's not 17 steps to prosper. 
that you can navigate the eternal will of God from the scriptures is what gives you an edge and gives you superior living. Superior living is your ability to navigate the eternal plan of God from the scriptures by the help of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing you will touch that you can fail at. There's absolutely nothing you will fail at. Nothing. There's no business you will put your hand to do by your ability to circumnavigate the will of God in Christ that will not prosper. And we can teach you, you can go to, go and check, is it everybody that went to business school that succeeded in business? So business school is not a criteria for business prosperity. So sit in church, let's teach you business principles from now until kingdom come. Or coming to the place of authority that you can navigate who you are in God through Christ. Navigate his will for your life. Sickness comes, you explain to it the manifold wisdom of God in his multifaceted dimensions. Put that scripture up, Ephesians 3.10. Put it up in the Amplified. To the intent, so now, somebody say now. Through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God in all its countless aspects might now be made known, revealing the mystery to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. How does the message put this? Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. TPT. The purpose of this was to unveil before every throne and rank of angelic orders in the heavenly realm God's full and diverse wisdom revealed. Diverse, including the ability to create. So any gospel teacher that says that, oh, you cannot learn creativity in the gospel does not know the gospel. God created the by faith we Hebrews 11:3 by faith we understand that the walls were created by the word of, of his power such that the things that became out of what was not that person now lives in you as wisdom and cannot teach you to create oh jesus did not die to give you what you can get by yourself the question is what do you think you can get by yourself did you start by yourself? What do you think you can get by yourself? Through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God. So force is the word wisdom. There's nothing excluded in the wisdom of God. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing excluded. And so we teach Christ because as, as he's formed in you, you will stop talking. He will, he will never teach you a message series titled Breaking Limits. Because if there is a secret to breaking limits, it's Christ in you. The hope of glory. Conquering your Goliath. No, Christ in you. How to succeed in tough times? Christ in you. Overcoming satanic setbacks. Christ in you. Excelling in a difficult and changing world. Christ in you. So there are some messages we are not preaching. 
because of the message we are preaching. Because that's when we start looking for point, point one, point two. We now start quoting scripture that doesn't say what we are saying it says. Because we have to have something to feed you. No, we are not preaching some messages. We are not praying some prayer points. Because of he who prays through us. So you think the Holy Spirit is about to pray through you. And then the Holy Spirit now may say, Father, any witch in your village. The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit inside you. We know not how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit of God helps our infirmities with groanings that cannot be uttered. He prays the mind of the Father. And you think the mind of the Father is the witch, a pot buried in the, under a tree. In your The Holy Spirit, as powerful as he is, when he opens his mouth to pray, is chasing a demon in your village. How to know that satanic powers are after you? Christ in you. Disarmed principalities and powers are made an open show of them. So we take time and study the scriptures. You have, you're a powerful person. You have the entire mind of God available to you now. Available to you when? Now, 1 John 2, 26, I believe, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Look for it. Somewhere there, 20, 21, 20, 21, 21, 24. 1 John 2. But you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone should teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and it's not a lie, just as it has taught you you, it's not, it's, not, it's not telling you, please abide in him. It's promising you. You will abide in the anointing. He teaches you all things. You have an anointing from the Holy One. He teaches you all things. All things are yours, Paul told the Corinthian church. All things. You know the mind of God now. All things. That's the, that's the edge you need in life. Christ in a man. Christ have you seen a grenade before? Hand grenade. Have you seen the kind of damage it does? All you need to do is pull a small pin. You have five seconds. Some of them four seconds. Don't throw it and see what will happen. On the other hand, throw it and see what will happen. You will not believe the amount of C4 that is inside that small grenade. In Malika tools about this treasure in eating vessel that the excellency <laughs> Second Corinthians 4 6 may be of God and not of us. If you well look at us, you can miss the brightness. Is it message or TPT? If you look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay of our ordinary lives. This is to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. You know how Peter and, and, and John told that guy in the gate to beautiful. They said, such as we have, we give unto you. 
Guys, such as I have, I give it to you. Really. I hope that you, you are, I hope that you can find in me a worthy pattern as I follow those who have followed the pattern. This is why we are at peace. It's not because we have. No, we know too much. We have too much understanding of who we are in God through Christ to be troubled. Though the mountains be brought forth and cast into the sea, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. That river flows out of your belly now. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. That's why we are consistent. Go and draw my post from 15 years ago. Same message. Same message. We keep at it. That's why we love the way we do. That's why you can come and say, ah, I didn't sleep well. I'm my back. And I say to you, peace. I prayed for you. What do you want? We didn't see Jesus do that. And I'll show, last week I told you I will show you this, this week. Now I'm telling you I will show you next week. The authority of Jesus. Peace. Be still. He walks away and goes and sleeps. Who sleeps in his storm? Only the storm chaser sleeps in the storm. Only, and that because he did that, I've taught you this house, you now have become a storm rider. Like the eagle, you just pack and wait. This, this wind, never strong reach. <laughs> and when the storm has gathered, then you can mount up on wings as eagles. Eagle never flies where the weather is good. No, flies against the wind. And this is why we have confidence. This is why you will look at me and you hope that I should patronize you. And I will look at you and tell you, I will reset your head by giving you, reminding you your spiritual reality. And you think I don't like you. You think I don't like you. I will wake you up from that pity party. And remind you, no, 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 it's not, it's not that. It is who we are in Christ. Because that's what we see. We watch the pattern saying that in having nothing, yet possessing all things. We watch the pattern saying I've learned to abase and to abound. I can do all things. We see the pattern saying necessity is laid upon us. We see the pattern saying we labor until Christ is formed in you. We see the pattern saying forgetting the things that are, are behind and pressing to the things that are ahead. We press forward for the mark of the prize of the higher calling in Christ Jesus. We, we see the pattern saying that I may know him. And he was bold enough to say follow my pattern. And follow anybody following the pattern. Oh, I can't wait to show you the authority of Jesus that you can imitate. The authority of Jesus. The audacity that he gives you as a believer. The audacity to look at something that is tangible and reduce it to what is more tangible. Even though what is more tangible cannot be seen. Men, there is plenty Christians 
there's not enough examples. So it's time to begin to actually be a believer. Do two things. Start to follow. Start to exercise Christ-likeness. Or die trying. Because <laughs> the live is Christ, dies again. Exercise Christ-likeness. This is how Jesus, Jesus thinks. I would think likewise. This is how he gives. We have dealt with that. I will give likewise. This is how he loves. I will love likewise. This is how he forgives. I will forgive likewise. This is how he dealt with demons. Oh, yagabadaga. I will deal with them likewise. This is how. Tell your neighbor, imitate the pattern. Tell the other neighbor, imitate the pattern. Oh, hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.